This is the Evolving Spiritual Practice Podcast. In this episode, I talk to my good friend Donald Clark about mixed martial arts, the Wim Hof method, ice baths, psychotherapy, psychedelics, Vipassana meditation, and integral theory. Donald, Donald Clark, welcome. You are the first guest on uh, my podcast. Um, and it's uh, it, you're you're a nice guest to have because we've been good friends for oh, I don't know like it twelve it, years maybe or something yeah, like that. It's something it's in the decade span at least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. you know we we know each other pretty well, um, and we've kind of bonded around um, these uh, practices. So the first question I want to ask is. When did you realize that taking this multidisciplinary approach um, to transformational practices was was the right way to go? Um, you know, I, was, I imagine you've been doing things for a long time. I mean, I know you, you you've been doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for you know since you were a kid and stuff like that. But there must have come a point where you thought. I'm feel like I'm becoming a bit lopsided and I need to plug in some different practices to make yeah, myself yeah. more whole. You know, when which, could you describe that story? Yeah. Um, that that's, that's quite interesting in the sense that prior to that discovery, um, I, I feel I was doing practices, um, like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu um, primarily as a physical practice, but the whole school of, of, uh, of inner work and development and personal growth and so on was something I really kind of just saw at Foyle's bookshop on the self-help guide, really. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I wouldn't have considered Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu part of that whole thing. Yeah. That was like... You know, I, I just really wanted to get good at that particular sport. And there was a lot of ego invested in it and a lot of youthful sort of testosterone there and so on. And I just wanted to be really good. But um, in hindsight, I could say, yeah, that was, that was personal development. Um, but I wouldn't have considered that. Um, the whole personal development aspect um, and the integral aspect of that came at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, so I had um, just finished uh, uh, closing down a business that I'd been running in my late 20s. And I was kind of lost and had nothing really going on and I was with my guitar teacher and he mentioned two things to me. Um, he said, there's this really cool thing called Vipassana and you should check it out. And um, there's this book I'm reading by a guy called Ken Wilbur. Um, and that was a book called Sex, Ecology and Spirituality. And um, so on the way to Vipassana, I was reading this book sex ecology and spirituality and this was the first time that i was going to do anything like meditation or um spiritual work in that sense um i always had a sort of 
intellectual curiosity, but I'd never done any practices like that. And I wasn't supposed to read in Vipassana, but I couldn't put this book down. I, um, I couldn't put it down. It was like, um, I tried to kind of read other spiritual books and so on, but this one seemed like the engineering manual of spiritual practices in a way. Um, and I, and this was sort of the first, this was my first proper spiritual practice. Um, there was that, uh, like a 10 day. Yeah. 10 day past no retreat. Yeah. Was it in Hereford? Yeah. 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 Was in Dupper Demon Hill. Yeah, yeah, I've been to that one. I, yeah, I did a, a ten-day one at the same place. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I mean that that retreat was absolutely awesome. It, mm-hmm. it was. I mean, I. Um, so just just describe in case someone doesn't know what Vipassana retreat is. Um, yeah, yeah. Just say what that. What what was the retreat? So the retreat itself was. Um, it was an instruction um, on meditation for uh, 10 days. The whole format revolved around doing a very particular technique. It was gradually introduced over the course of about five days and sitting and speaking in silence. So there's no speaking to anybody. There's no uh, staring in the eyes of other people. Like social contact is is so limited, um, and you're really just with yourself in this really quiet, quiet place in Hereford. Um, so, yeah, the and the practice self is led by um, a guy called uh, Goenka, and it's done on video and yeah, you, you just follow it for, for the 10 days and, um, and wait and see what happens. Basically. And it's, it's like 10 hours a day pretty yeah. much of sitting for 10 days. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. You know, sitting, waking up at four in the morning, uh, meditating, then going for breakfast, then meditating and, yeah, so it's it was a pretty hardcore introduction. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's I think that's your style, isn't it? You you yeah. jump in the deep end straight away. Yeah, yeah, I I think so. Sometimes to my detriment. Yeah, <laughs> but in this case, this was a good thing. Um, I I really got on board with it. It uh, I I'm not sure I would have been able to follow a typical meditative practice, 20 minutes a day, um, you know, kind of over the course of a year and so on. I kind of needed to know if this was real or not quite mm-hmm. quick. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it, I, I experienced something really, really, really profound in, in that place. Yeah. Well, so what, 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 what were the, you know, if you were to sort of say, a handful of things you took away from that experience. What, what were well, it? it 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 completely changed my. Um, I, I, actually, I wouldn't say completely changed. It set the first the first um, inkling of doubt as to the materialistic nature of of reality of the world 
um, that we occupy, that we are. And um, I mean, I had a, a strong experience of my identity just falling away. And, and when it happened, I had no language or framework for it. I had, mm. nobody had spoken to me about this. I didn't read anything about this before. Um, and when I went to ask the teachers and Vipassana, they kind of didn't have much answers either. Um, so I was left with a really profound question, what, um, what is the nature of self? And having experienced myself just drop away, um, head disappeared, and then I disappeared. And I, but I was still present. And mm -hmm. um, for a guy who, who kind of saw things pretty much um, as, as, um, as an engineering diagram, I, I was a coder back then, and mm -hmm. you know, um, my father was an engineer. My father's father was an engineer. It's like the uh, there was nothing really to prepare me for that, and yeah. So yeah, consciousness is um, it, it doesn't really have those kind of moving parts like a machine does no it's quite it, yeah and yeah. and 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 so much of consciousness doesn't have uh this sort of simple location yeah, yeah uh thing which the uh more you know sort of uh machine type stuff yeah. objects like that have that that's the thing that's the thing um it so it 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 opened a light bulb and um, I had a qualitatively different dimension to explore now. Um, I, I think prior to that, any sort of self-development work I was doing might have been more geared towards something like neuro-linguistic programming or, mm -hmm. um, you know, those sort of CBT style things and um, uh, Tony Robbins and sort of yeah. a very modernistic yeah. kind of thing yeah and um yeah and this was a very this was a very different dimension um it didn't even have anything to do with the way i was thinking or what i was thinking and feeling it it, it went just below the surface of all those things yeah um now fortunately um I did have Ken Wilber's book at that time. You sneaky, like you, because you, you're not supposed to read, are you? No, you're not yeah. supposed to. <laughs> and I'm sure people, I'm sure people would grass you up if they saw you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not even supposed to um, do any exercise. I mean, you can walk, but I mean, when I was there, I was desperate to do some push-ups and you know squats and things. But yeah, yeah. No, you were I not. Mean, it was very strict like that. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was completely, especially back then. I mean, that was like, uh, for me, 13 years ago now, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, especially back then. But I, I kind of stuck with the whole no physical exercise, no other practices, yeah. nothing like that. But Sneaking off to the toilet to read your Ken Wilber book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all of that, man. <laughs> well, the thing is, fortunately, my roommate, 
um, you kind of assigned a, a, a room and usually share it. I don't know if that was your experience. Yeah, yeah, four of us, I think. Yeah. Well, he didn't make it. He kind of made it for like four days and then just, ah. just went and just disappeared, never yeah. came back. And they never replaced him with anybody. So I, I sort of had that room to myself. Mm-hmm. And, convenient. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was really convenient. Yeah. And, um, and Ken, well, that book, I, when I had that experience, um, there was all of this terminology like uh, the causal, the subtle, the gross, um, the non-dual, formless, formlessness, it, it, a lot of terminology there, a lot of language was there just for this fresh mind to sort of hook onto in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so I, I'm very grateful that something in me decided to bring that book and everything. Because yeah. um, it, it sort of set my my path in a way. Um, so, so it's, it's in, <clears throat> interesting how, um, you know, so this podcast is themed around um, practices of body, heart, mind, and spirit and how to integrate them into one multi, holistic, multidisciplinary lifestyle and so you've gone pretty quickly from mainly doing a a body-based practice your your brazilian Mm jiu-jitsu to somebody gives you this book uh you start reading it suddenly you're encountering this whole new mental territory with your mind um this new theory which is um opening up that whole side of things and then you're at the same time doing this uh, introduction to a sort of a spiritual meditation practice. Yeah, yeah. So that's all happening pretty quick. Yeah. 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 Really quick, really mm. quick. Like from the time I got that book to the time I went to the Vipassana retreat was literally about a week. Right. And uh, yeah. And prior to that, I hadn't heard of Ken Wilber or his whole philosophy or integral practice and, um but the framework was was in a sense not unfamiliar um in the sense there was a post that you wrote um on one of the facebook forums it was comparing spiritual practice to um training in mma mm-hmm. and um prior to all of this i was having more thoughts around um, why hasn't science, for instance, um, become as integral as, let's say, mixed martial arts, um, like the interdisciplinary um, integration of, of science, engineering, and all these things. Uh, they hadn't evolved at that time as far as something like martial arts. Um, and uh, so when I kind of got to this book, um, I'd already done almost nine, ten years of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But it's it's interesting that um, what, what I one of the things uh, mainstream media things I've noticed, which is what I would consider integrating these multidisciplinary approaches, is Joe Rogan's podcast, which started yeah, yeah. in two thousand and nine. He I mean, he does a lot of different stuff, but he's really, he does, does Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. 
he commentates yeah. for the fights in the Octagon Ultimate Fighting Championships. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I've really enjoyed his podcast. And it's, it's incredibly popular, which yeah, yeah. kind of, you know, is linking in with this theme. It, this, is, this is what's kind of up next, really, in our culture. I feel, and yeah. I think his podcast is like the sort of mainstream uh, figurehead for that. And yeah, and, it, yeah. and, and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is very much linked to it. And I think it's interesting that you came out of that uh, discipline of, of, of this mixed martial arts thing, um, yeah. which that's kind of baked into it. And there's a real appreciation of how different pure streams of practice can coalesce into something that's new this because mma was is a new thing you know it's um yeah, yeah. In, in our lifetimes it's happened that's the thing yeah yeah and a completely multidisciplinary practice um and i mean when mma started i, I remember watching it in 1995 and i and it was purely then just this martial art versus that martial art and so on and so about five years later or so I, I decided to go and learn Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and and I was in a, a small community of people who were the first mixed martial artists in um in England uh cool it's yeah um some of them even went up to UFC and whatnot so I was in that environment and um throughout my sort of time in, in jiu-jitsu um i was training other mixed martial arts artists in in brazilian jiu-jitsu and so on so that whole sort of the whole kind of concept around it around kind of mixing different things and seeing what comes out but doing it in a way that is very rational like um like you couldn't really have mixed martial arts until you had Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, really. And, um, you know, this was sort of like the glue that kind of held everything together. Um, it, it, it has a particular hierarchy in the whole scheme of things. Um, it's not like the highest of the things, I would call that striking, really, but it's, um, it is integral to all the other arts kind of forming around it. Without it, then you can't do anything in mixed martial arts. You'll just be right. submitted very easily. Yeah. And uh, so this whole thing, sorry. Yeah, well, I, so we were, you were reading the book. Yeah. yeah. Uh, somewhere in some cupboard, somewhere in, this, in your bedroom in Vipassana. Yeah, 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 in the Vipassana and so on. And, and um, the, uh, the way that, that this guy was sort of breaking things down the way that Ken was breaking things down into quadrants and then assigning different practices into those quadrants and so on. Um, well, that made sense to my sort of, um, my background as a, as a programmer, uh, my background in computers and kind of categorizing things and, and putting them into their right boxes and all of this stuff. Could you just say something about the quadrants for people that don't know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so in, uh, in Wilbur's model, there, there are four quadrants, uh, the I, the we, the it, and the its, and so on. And um, the, I, the I is more about um, our personal selves, our beingness, in a way. Um, 
and uh, the we is our relation to each other, how, how we show up with each other in the world, um, basically the intersubjective um, experience of culture. And so what are the symbols and things that we share with each other uh, that make up culture at large? And um, the it's, the it aspect is um, basically just the objects that reside in culture. Um, so they, they could be sort of the, um, the, the descriptions of, of plants, animals, uh, what makes up a bank, what makes up an economic system. Um, the uh, investigations that we use to uncover uh, the categorizations that we, we kind of see around the world. Um, and then we have the it's, uh, which are the systems. So those would be the actual economic systems, the systems that we use, um, the objective systems that we use in the world. Like the internet. Yeah. The public internet, transport. Public transport. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So everything um, can be kind of fitted into one of these four quadrants. Yeah. And anything, any, anything in life you could, you could kind of sort out like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you could kind of categorize them, place them into this particular thing. Um, yeah, it, it's, I think there was, a, there was a way he broke it down. Was it science, art, and politics or something like this? Um, the I, the, the it. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. So you, and that appealed to your mind as a coder. So yeah, that, that appealed to me as, as a technical person. Okay, yeah, technical so, person, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, it, I, I think prior to that, kind of if reading uh, spiritual texts and so on, um, or even just sort of uh, self-help texts that had a very spiritual slant, um, at the time they were highlighting things that um, things to do with the heart, things to do with my emotions, things to do with all this stuff that at that time, I just wasn't ready for that language. Um, mm. I, 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 I wasn't, I was almost off put by that sort of language, to be honest. Um, yeah. so having this guy Ken come along and then kind of say, well, you know, we can look at this in this sort of rational way and i think that's one of the great things about his work for example and a lot of this uh work that's associated with the integral movement is you can approach it with a technical mind you could approach yeah. it with a very artistic mind you could approach it with this kind of very spiritual mind yeah, yeah. Um, or a very body-based um uh, approach and in it, and it will make sense to all of those people yeah. Whereas what you were saying that, you know, if, if you, what's that saying? Woo-woo, you know, I say yeah, Americanism. Yeah. I mean, we're both English, but yeah, yeah, we don't really yeah. use woo-woo, but I've heard it around. It's just kind of um, more kind of, uh, I mean, I'm a hippie. <laughs> I think of myself as a hippie quite a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, so I'm not saying this in a, in a pejorative way, but the, but the kind of sort of more hippie side of spirituality is a big turnoff to people that are, you know, tech, tech people. Yeah, um, yeah, and um, so that that's really interesting that that was the angle that you went into it because I, I came from it 
slightly from the more artistic end of yeah, things, yeah. Um, but had a similar experience to you. That's really, it's really yeah. interesting to see the parallel there, but we came at it from a different angle. From different angles, yeah, yeah. yeah. But came into it regardless. Yeah. Nonetheless, sucked yeah, yeah. us in like some yeah, tractor yeah. beam. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, keep going. Yeah. So, um, so I, I think um, for me, the the experience this um this experience i had in in the vipassana um this loss of of identity of of like my sort of egoic self um and then having this uh right next to me this this really massive book i don't know if you've ever seen sex ecology oh i've read it yeah i took it yeah. to india with me one yeah, time yeah, yeah it's it's a it's about yeah, 900 I, pages or something. It's a massive book. Yeah. It's a massive book. Um, but yeah, having this like massive book that I considered to be the source of all wisdom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like a new, a new convert with all the zeal of, a, of, a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of someone who's just encountered something exciting. Exactly. You know, both on a on a, a sort of intellectual level and an experiential level. Mm -hmm. So on having those two kind of meet up. Um, after that, I, I came back to London and I kept on having these, uh, for times these non-dual experiences. And well, actually they, they weren't really non-dual. They were um, I, experiences of, I would just call them like a slipping away of identity into what I'd probably now call emptiness or, or formlessness. Um, mm -hmm. And I, and I, I, I kind of thought, well, I, I should really explore this. I like, but not necessarily just from reading books and so on. Um, I should try and go out and find community and other people and you know see what this is about and so obviously i i came across um the uh the fact that sex ecology and spirituality was a philosophy book or an anthropological book first and foremost but it was really good to discover that there was a whole set of practices that people were doing around this thing. Um, Cause I kind of thought, you know, in the Vipassana place that I'm just going to be on my own trying to make sense of this thing with this book. Yeah. Cause they don't give you a lot. They don't give you anything at this Vipassana. I mean, it's like you're going, you, you could go the whole way without talking to a single person, which is what I yeah. do. Um, but if I know if you go to speak to one of the teachers, they don't really give you a lot of help. Um, you know, it's um, you, you and, and the instructions are delivered by a video recording of Goenka. Yeah. I mean, he's dead, isn't he? Yeah, he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. So it's this like dead guy talking stuff that you can't ask him questions and you are really yeah, on are. your own. Um, we're, I, mean, they, I won't go into it here, but I've, I've got quite a lot of criti criticisms of the Vipassana retreats. Yeah, yeah we went on i mean that you get very powerful experiences but that's for another another conversation yeah that's for another conversation yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's uh yeah it's interesting i i didn't at the time have much criticism of it 
I just didn't know much. I went on three retreats later on and but um yeah now I would probably say there's there's a lot um a lot of improvement <laughs> to be made in, in that area of things. Um but yeah, I I came back from the Vipassana. Yeah. And um not having uh much much sort of ex, uh, not knowing any much more than I did when I was there. Um, so I, I decided to join like these little Vipassana sort of hangouts. Somebody would have a shed and they would go and sit. And, and I thought, well, if I could get into that community, perhaps they would, um, um, it would shed some more light. They would know more than me and so on. And, uh, but there was this general, there was this general sort of sense of a type of elitism, elitism around the practice. So it sort of meant, you know, if, if you asked too many questions, um, what was kind of given back to you was just keep on doing the practice. Um, there's nothing more to be said, just keep on doing it and right. so on. And, um, you know, and if you kind of spoke about other things that you were doing and so on, um, that would be kind of frowned upon. Yeah. And so that that's what, you know, we would be describing as, as a partial approach that, you yeah. know, that, so like you were getting the, the whiff, the scent coming off this Vipassana group was, okay, we've, we're onto something here. Everybody else is wrong. Yeah, um, yeah, like if they just did this vipassana practice, ev everything in the world would be sorted. Um, That's the thing. And uh, I think once when you've got the integrating impulse, like you and I have, you, you get a whiff of that, and you're like, "That's not the smell of roses, man. That's the smell yeah, of shit." Yeah, <laughs> that's the smell of shit, and there's nothing growing from that dunk. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it, it flew in the face of just my own uh, kind of experience with jiu-jitsu where it was like, it would have been easy for the jiu-jitsu community to say, we're the most dominant martial art that the world has ever seen, da da da, da. And there was a bit of that, I've got to say, but, but there was this really strong openness to um, having other martial artists come and train and so mm. on. And, and sort of, you know, it helped to open up this multidisciplinary thing. So that was in my body, you know, that was something that was sort of conditioned into me mm -hmm. from early on. And, yeah. and, you know, kind of being in a community that was so close-minded to just the, the intellectual notion that you could do other things and that things might be complementary, things might not be complementary, but we could try. Mm. Um, it, yeah, it, 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 it felt, it felt wrong. Yeah. It just felt wrong. But yeah, I mean, to, but to, 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 you know, to also say we are not, um, we both love meditation. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that's a practice that you encountered that practice through the Vipassana door the Vipassana, and, yeah. and then you, you took your meditation practice uh, out of the Vipassana tradition into what, you know, we'll talk about that later, but you know, whatever type of meditation you're doing nowadays is not, I mean, probably has integrated a lot of the lessons you learn through the Vipassana stuff, but it's, 
what you do does not fit inside that container anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. I mean, um, I feel that I Vipassana as a practice is it's great, and it was a great introduction to this whole thing. Um, I think it's just more so than just the practice, or more so than the practice, which I have no criticism of really. Um, it's sort of just the the mindset yeah around these things yeah, yeah. and you yeah. kind of see it in yoga as well and you know you see yeah. it in many things um i even in sort of the martial arts it, it that was the kind of status quo you know my karate will beat your karate yeah um, in science you know it's like if you're not studying physics you're studying a second-rate science oh yeah you know? they call it was it physics envy yeah physics envy yeah so you know mm. it's um it's it's something that humans do basically but um it's well, it's, of... it's um it's tribalism yeah, yeah isn't it yeah yeah um and uh you know there's all sorts of positive aspects to tribalism in this kind of strong cohesion of small groups of people mm. um and that's really functional um on a certain level but you know if you think like we we live in a in this global society culture you know we 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 really are <clears throat> i mean you know since ever since we've been astronauts going out into space and looking back and actually seeing that we are all on this ball of rock floating in space yeah, yeah. there's not you know we're all on it it's like one vessel that we're all on yeah, and yeah. um you, you know the, the, this kind of tribalism has got to be connected you know there's got yeah, like yeah. i don't know it's almost like the mycelium has got to kind of connect everything and hook connect, it in. Yeah. And, I, and uh, you can always think of the internet is, is like a sort of tech mycelium or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the, the time feels really ripe for, for these kind of tribal, small tribal groups to keep the best of the purity that they've created, yeah, um, yeah. but be bold enough and courageous enough to link up with other traditions and and yeah. and see what happens it's it's like a kind of uh it's like sex you know it's it's too strand it's too um I've, i'm not so good on, bi <laughs> on the biology and stuff but it's it's two sets of genes or dna mixing you know yeah. creating something new which is the way that we deal with um diseases and viruses and things as a species you know it's yeah. set sex is the kind of thing that throws the curveball um to all the things that are trying yeah, to yeah. kill us you know um well, so yeah, it's, yeah, yeah see something similar happening you know it's like i can feel this with the with all of these traditions coming together well it's yeah i i think that's just it um and with with these things kind of where you have this sort of uh cross i wouldn't say cross paradigmatic i'd probably say cross disciplinary sort of focus um you you have these mutations and so on that come out as well mm. um so you know just like um you know if if brazilian jiu-jitsu is the um is the root of mixed martial arts and we look at mixed martial arts today um 
it looks completely different from its you know its beginnings it looks like a completely different thing um, yeah if you watch conor mcgregor fight for example um you know he's does not what his fight does and if you watch that and then straight afterwards you watch the brazilian jiu-jitsu match like a proper just straight brazilian jiu-jitsu they look totally different but conor mcgregor yeah, yeah. knows a ton about jiu-jitsu and he'll play that game if he has to um, yeah, yeah but yeah as you say it's it's, it's a it's a mutant form now. it's uh, yeah it's, it's a different paradigm now yeah. and um you know, it even looks completely different to the first UFCs that were, were out. Yeah, yeah, it's it has evolved. Yeah, so 1991 yeah. was the first one, I think. Yeah. 93, it, no, yeah. 93, 93, I think, yeah. something like that. And think, yeah, yeah and it, it just keeps changing. Yeah, and, they, yeah. and they love it. Like, change, this is another thing, change is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, in, in the eyes of that, whereas if you're trying to keep a tradition pure, change is the last thing you want. Well, that, that's the thing. That's the thing. Like, um, so it, it's, it's a very different mindset. Um, and so there, there, there's obviously a place for it. Um, you know, it's like, I often, I often like to go and see, um, sort of traditional jazz and pubs and stuff sometimes. And, mm -hmm. but I'm always, you know, um, when I go there, like, the way I see those musicians are more like um, uh, they're like museum tour guides in a way. Right. Um, <laughs> 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 they're like, um, you know, they, they've, they've got this very strong musicianship and skill and. and yeah. Oh, and, I mean, I know we were laughing there, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, we, museums are great. You know, I mean, we got, I yeah, like, yeah. for example, the British Museum. It's got antiquities from all over the world. You know, that was one. My, when I lived in London, that was the place I wanted to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To, let to see these this stuff, you know, and I, and I loved yeah. it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, um, I don't want our laugh to, to yeah. <laughs> suggest, oh, really, you know, stupid museum, museum stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So it's, it's like, you know, so they, they sort of keep this, the tradition of jazz alive. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, they, uh, whether I can consider them to be artists is another thing. And so on. As yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Is, yeah, is yeah. art creating something new every time? Yeah. yeah. That's another, it, that's another podcast that's conversation all of, yeah, for sure. All of the podcast, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, I feel some of that mentality uh, of the artist, um, you know kind of has to be there both to accept and reject uh these traditional formats and yeah way. Um, well I, I mean i want to point out to also that you know as well as being a tech person you're 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 a musician you you play the piano beautifully and you're great on the guitar you know so it's you're yeah. you're you're not just a computer geek you know you yeah, yeah. you've got <laughs> this whole other artistic side you know which yeah, yeah. again it's interesting that uh you know you've been playing the guitar for a long time i know and you've been playing the piano for what maybe 10 years or something like that um that you, you you've almost got this instinct for this multidisciplinary thing it's always yeah. made sense to do lots of things in a way yeah, right? yeah. and i and i've got this feeling that people that are drawn to this kind of approach if you look at their lives they, they've they've always had a lot of things going yeah 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 whether I, it, it, it will not necessarily in a conscious way Conscious, yeah, yeah, yeah it's not, not necessarily. Yeah. yeah, 
yeah. so so just to bring us up to, to date with the stories so um you'd been going to these like vipassana salons in garden sheds and stuff yeah yeah and felt, felt like a little bit like the group was not happy with you bringing in uh you know other ideas so what where did that take you then what's the next step um well what what ended up happening then was um it was interesting i i started to try and look for um integral groups i mean once i found out that such a thing existed mm -hmm. um i decided to go and and seek it out and uh and i um simultaneously i found i found two groups um one was uh Gary's integral life practice. Um, so that's Gary Hawk. Gary Hawk, yeah, yeah. Both, um, we both have. We've been. He's our psychotherapist. We've both yeah, been working yeah. with him individually uh, for yeah, many, yeah. many years. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So at the time, um, Gary Gary Hawk, he was running this um, integral life practice group um, for about. It was like six months at a time, and so on. And um, I was able to kind of uh, get onto the beginning of one of those groups early on, and and um, it was my it was sort of my first real proper introduction to um, the whole concept of therapeutic practice as a practice. Mm -hmm. um, sort of prior to that. I kind of just thought therapeutic practice was really um, was was something that was interesting. Um, Ken spoke about it in sex ecology and spirituality, but it wasn't something that I really considered as uh, as something I would do, and so on. Um, you know, at the time I was so dissociated, I didn't think I needed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that was so uh yeah when i started doing psychotherapy i f for most of my life i thought psychotherapy was something that crazy people did because they were yeah, ill yeah. and they need to get better yeah, and yeah. then um then but then i realized it's just like going to the gym so yeah. i mean you know you get people that are um out of shape physically uh, they go to the gym, so they're unhealthy. They go to the gym to get healthy, but then yeah, you've yeah. also got people that are in peak physical condition, and they go to the gym to get even better. You know, so yeah, it's yeah. about optimal performance for them. And mm -hmm. um, so, like for me, that was a big shift in my kind of understanding of what, of what therapy was. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I got to experience like therapeutic intervention in these workshops and um and gary was doing it in a in an integral way so he was kind of mixing spiritual practice with therapeutic practice um and embodied practice and voice work and drama therapy and so there was a lot kind of going on and um so in fact, it was quite overwhelming for me, um, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's um, 
like you know i was kind of thinking of the limits of of this vipassana group and so on and then i come into this space and it's like the end of the spectrum yeah 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 yeah, yeah. you (laughs) you you know know, i think that's something that i mean this is something i want to talk to you about um, and other people i interview is when you first encounter this this thing of um you realize that it's you've got to work in all of these dimensions of yourself you know your body your heart your mind and your spirit um suddenly the task ahead of you seems enormous and overwhelming and you 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 go to something like what gary was doing and and i know that for him that was an uh, those are early experiments in group work in this kind of thing and if you you know you you get all excited and you you bring it all of the things in at once you know and it's just um it it's like rather than a piece of music building up slowly it's like you suddenly go to the mid you know, as soon as the song starts it's in the middle it's just <laughs> but, uh, but as t- as time goes on and you you learn to uh to integrate these things and we can talk later about how that happens this uh, that stops yeah. happening that that kind of um overwhelming thing uh turns into yeah, yeah. Uh, you know and i i, th- I think I, I think of it like, um, you know, something I've been thinking a lot about recently, not that I've been drinking. I, I went through a long phase uh, many years ago of drinking single malt whiskeys, and I really love them. And, you know, the, the ones you, you drink, one that was a bit young, and it was just, it wasn't, it was kind of bah, on your tongue, really. Yeah. And yeah. Then you, you, you drink one that's, uh, there was one I really liked called Lagavulin, which was yeah, um, yeah. 16 years old. And I, I drank one that was uh, 25 years old once, and it was oh, yeah. just, such a different thing it was smooth subtle beautiful you know um and i think that's how things change over time you know through, yeah, yeah, through yeah doing this stuff well well that that's just the thing i mean the uh the, you, the sort of like the core i kind of feel in the same way i've used the analogy that the core of mixed martial arts is is sort of this brazilian jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. um and then things sort of integrate on top of that and uh, I always felt that the core of, of integral practice um, was the, th- the psychotherapeutic intervention um, in the sense that um, Ken often spoke about hierarchies of ego development and so on, and um, kind of how we relate to our spiritual practices based on that sort of egoic development and so on. and. Um, sort of going going to these workshops these sort of in, integral workshops and so on um it started to give me an embodied notion of of um of what what was going on with that like what you know how does somebody um develop their ego i mean it's quite contradictory to what a lot of spiritual practices kind of uh, would like you to do. You, you wouldn't want to take that conversation into those Vipassana sheds. No way. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh man, yeah, that, that would be a disaster, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a Satan has come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so 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 to just be clear, um, you know, the the approach that we're, we 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 love is it says meditation is really important ego development is also really important and they're not mutually exclusive things yeah yeah you know you well, can literally do thing. two both things and they don't 
they don't spoil each other they don't spoil each other in, in fact they integrate very well with each other I, I think they potentiate each other too yeah yeah you know, i mean until some of the psychotherapy so some of the work i've done with gary um with, with the psychotherapy stuff um it made me realize that some of the reasons i've been meditating were and i thought they were like lofty reasons were, were yeah. actually quite quite base um you know so uh, <clears throat> if i think of an example like um you know w- kind of wanting this oceanic bliss of deep meditation states yeah, yeah. you know what i could i could through working with gary i could actually see there was part of me i mean and you're kind of you're 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 actually always doing several things at once so it's not like the only reason why i was doing meditation was this reason you know there yeah. were reasons why i was doing meditation which were genuine desire to uh you know wake up mm-hmm. um uh, <clears throat> and have altered states of consciousness you know for the for, yeah. for the right reasons but there are also parts of parts of me that just wanted that basically go back in my mummy's tummy you know in there into the womb and experience that non bliss of non-separation not having to find my own food not having to wipe my own bum you know it's just it's just you're just there ah and and so in a way it was like i was wanting to go back to that part of me was wanting to go back to that rather than go forwards you know was it what's it what's it to be a fully fledged mature adult going into formless emptiness you know versus what is it to be uh wanting to be a baby in that kind of the womb um so that's just an example of how these two the psycho psychotherapy and meditation they would they work they help each other well well that's just the thing i mean it's um for me that that was also something that I had to work through with with Gary as well in my own therapeutic practice um, that I had gone on this uh, after having my first like experience of just selfhood just vanishing just dropping I wanted more because it, it you know it just felt like feels it felt perfect <laughs> yeah it feels perfect and and um and so I, I kind of went chasing the dragon's tail um, with that, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, and then sort of building up uh, these sort of false narratives around that as well. Like, um, you know, if, if I do these particular, if I can get into this state more and more and more and more, um, then I'm growing as an individual and, um, you know, I can be healthy and then relate to other people. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, and the experiences are so powerful that even, even when I know intellectually that that might not be true, because at that point I'd already read, um, I'd already read uh, quite a number of, of integral books and so on that were kind of saying, you know, this, this might, you know, um, that there might be a chase for that oceanic experience. It might be a regression in a way, but the experiences themselves are just so, so beautiful and so perfect. 
um, that it's hard to imagine that you wouldn't be perfect <laughs> if you were sort of always in it. Yeah. Um, I think, I think one of the things that I realized at some point was that I was, was avoiding pain. Yeah. You know, yeah. That just, that just the raw pain of life. Yeah, and not yeah. to say you know life is life is life is is as beautiful as it is painful you know joyful yeah. i mean it's it's all of that and um you know one of the sort of traps people can get into with meditation practice is being a bliss seeker yeah because yeah. you can do it you know i mean i've done it uh you know for, uh, for a long you know I, even many years of not realizing that i was so i thought freedom meant not experiencing pain and just experiencing this bliss and joy but real freedom like that's almost like the 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 freedom of a child perhaps yeah yeah. just wants the sweets but not to eat the vegetables and then when you're a more mature adult approach is you actually want the real freedom which is free to be joyful and in pain yeah, but yeah. to be to be okay with that because you love life so much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, through the practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It, it it was a thought I was having in the park before before coming to to this podcast here today. Mm. Um, just at some point, at some point during this, doing all of this practice. Um, for me, my heart just came out and screamed, I'm your whole experience of life, not just not just the uh, not just the good bits that you want and so on. You know, I'm the whole thing. And it really screamed to me in pain and so on. And uh, and for me it, it you know the a really, really big part of the journey and the most important part of the journey is integrating that pain in a way. Mm. Um, kind of at one notion, knowing that I'm broken, um, but also knowing that I'm perfect and kind of straddling the line between these two things. Yeah, I think when you get into this stuff, paradox becomes your kind of default. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's uh, you. You have to be able to to hold the paradox of all of these things simultaneously, um, and it feels really awkward to begin with. <clears throat> it's another one of these things that you know, just over time, you 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 get okay with the paradox of life. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, you kind of. It's not. I'm not talking about like passively accepting it you know, sort of yeah. resigning yourself to it, but it's yeah, yeah. like, you love the paradox. That's where the juice is. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's the excite. That's that, that's this gorgeous craziness of life is, is the paradox. Yeah. 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 So we've, yeah. Yeah. you know, we've kind of come from the sort of body based practices to sort of spiritual stuff with the meditation and then, and, and these new exciting theories that were, titivating if that's a word your mind yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and suddenly opening up all this new vistas um you know in your mind suddenly you saw all of these new possibilities you know coming across yeah, this, yeah. this this uh you know the integral theory by ken wilber's work not to say that ken wilber's not the only person doing this work there's loads yeah. of people who are a part of this integral movement and other 
things which don't have that name, you know, uh, yeah, meta, yeah. meta modernism and all sorts yeah. of things, you know. Yeah. Um, so, and then now you've you've started you doing these sessions with Gary and realised that there was this whole part of you which had kind of been in the basement your whole life, you know, the feelings yeah. that were the heart, your heart was screaming out. Now's my turn. Well, well, that's the thing. It took it took a while to get to that point. Um, like the the ther the therapy was a lot of it was spent really just trying to get to the point to be vulnerable enough to kind of even mm -hmm. consider that. Yeah. And so, um, and it, it's it's sort of like it's why I think therapy. Um, it, it for me it sort of glued everything together in a way because um without getting into that more vulnerable aspect of myself um which i was resisting resisting so much you know um initially i think gary was helping me with um almost forming a language trying to help form a language around even the whole thing of of um he wouldn't use the term vulnerability um but just it's just easier to use but this whole language around around vulnerability and um and that at some point things just started to crack um things started to crack though when the use of psychedelics were introduced um not not because of gary to be sure <laughs> it, it wasn't it wasn't it, gary that introduced uh, like, you to psychedelics. it was really a, i was yeah. really fortunate that gary was around oh yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> to help yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um I was very don't, want to, don't want to implicate him in the in this yeah yeah you know yeah yeah i was very fortunate about that but um yeah, my initial sort of thing with psychotherapy was more or less just coming into the language of that whole medium. And so yeah, on. dipping your toe in the water. Yeah, and um, kind of. So, what, what was the what was the first psychedelic you took? <clears throat> um, so it was uh, it was um, uh, actually the first one I ever took was. Uh, Oh, it was it was some Hawaiian nut. Um, oh wow! Yeah, yeah. It was like it's a random thing. There was a time when this stuff was legal, right? And uh, so I just went to Camden uh, with a girlfriend I had at the time, and and um, we were both we both just decided to take this nut. Um, we kind of researched it, thought it would be a good good start, and went to the park and you know and had it and. And it was very mild. It was a very mild experience. Um, very visual, very, uh, what's it called? Lots of thoughts kind of swirling around, a lot of kinesthesia, but nothing to really write home about. And so yeah. um, I think I, what I would really consider the first time I really, where psychedelic really influenced me, um, it was the second time. Um, I had a small amount of magic mushrooms while while I was going through a migraine attack. Oh, so, nice! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. 
Good choice. Good money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's strange. A friend of mine who like um, I he thought it could help, and um, so he gave me some mushroom tea. And you know, at that time, I was like, I was having migraines like at least once a month or so, and I I just thought I'm going to try it. So tried it and within 20 minutes, my migraine was gone. And within half an hour to 45 minutes, my heart just opened up. Mm. Like just so much love. I never knew my heart could do that, you know. And, um, you know, I wasn't in love with anybody but myself, which was a new thing for me as well. And, um, and, I was in this body and I was feeling those things. And, mm. and I think it was my first real moment of like, wow, like this is not what I thought. I feel really embodied now. Mm. You know? um, I feel my heart and I feel its connection to my mind and I feel its connection to my body and my stomach and, you know, I feel all these sensations and feelings and I can name them and, you know, navigate them. And, and um, I just felt a lot of love for myself. And so I kind of thought, wow, um, yeah, is this, is this what vulnerability is? You know, <laughs> is, uh, is this like the little crack that needed to be opened? Mm. So, um and so that that started the beginning of of a pretty wild adventure. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I talking of wild adventures and nuts and migraines. Um, I'm not sure whether I've told you this story. When I was um, at boarding school, I was like, um, was, I was probably 16. And this was this we didn't have access to the internet or anything like this. It was all in the days of urban myths and people talking about things that they thought they knew about but didn't. And mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I mean, no, I had zero access to any information about anything. But yeah. I had I but I had access to drugs. <laughs> so, and I was a young, yeah, stupid uh, teenager, teenager, yeah, yeah. you know, who just wanted to get in trouble. And you know, it's, it was such a bad mix. And but yeah, thank yeah. God I'm alive. I made it. But you know, one of the things we did was we got some nutmegs, mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. and you know, got these fresh nutmegs, ground them up, and I, I had. Um, what now i so i was researching this recently you know it's like on the internet looking up and i took a, a, a what can be a fatal dose of uh nutmeg nutmeg wow um yeah. i had i think i had two whole ground nutmegs and i think you know sort of between two to four can kill people before, yeah, yeah as well as reading um Oh wow! Maybe I had three, two or three. I do, anyway, I, I what I what my friend had told me was that four, you can die if you have four. <laughs> so I said, okay, as long as I don't have four, we're going to be okay. So I had quite a lot, and I felt like crap. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, but and I got this terrible headache. But I lay down in bed, um, in my dormitory, and I could see this like geometric shape that was made out of primary color 
planes mm-hmm. and and i unfolded this shape uh, until it was flat and then my headache disappeared um wow. and then i fell asleep and woke up a few hours later and and it, it was a horrible experience um, yeah, yeah, yeah but just an example of the, t- the you know you you had bad bad drug ed- education like you have at school plus yeah, yeah. <laughs> lack of information from anywhere uh surrounded by idiots that don't know anything all egging you yeah. on i mean it's just such a bad mix you know yeah. and i've got sons uh you know they're young now but one day they're going to be you know sort of like testosterone filled teenagers and i yeah. do not want them to be in that situation you know yeah. i want them to know the truth about this yeah. stuff and to make well you know no one could ever get the whole truth but they want i want them to be able to make good decisions you know yeah, yeah. um because i made some really bad decisions and thank god i'm okay but um you know yeah, this, yeah. Is a, this is a a whole big big topic that yeah yeah well, well, that's, that's for sure that's for sure there, there's not there's not much education around it at all um and all the pitfalls you can take and and so on and if there is there's just an overwhelming amount of information around it so it's, it's too much i think yeah you need places to edit all the yeah, information yeah. there i think um talking to nuts again uh professor david nutt is that his name yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know he's got a good podcast it's it's just yeah. straight talk about drugs and he's a scientist and he worked for the government he got sacked yeah. because he put that controversial list of substances and alcohol was in his mind more dangerous than um ecstasy and lsd and magic yeah. mushrooms and cannabis and he got the sack yeah you got the sack man he yeah. got the, big the, time. the nut sack mm-hmm. the the, the theme of nuts is going too far okay so (laughs) um right so you you just you've taken your first magic mushrooms and it's shown you this whole new um interconnection suddenly you saw everything was connected yeah yeah and then so where you know where are we going from there well i mean i i saw my body as uh, as an ecological system and um, but not only did I see it like that, I, I felt it like that and I felt myself as that. And, um, so from there, um, I did what any normal person would do if they have an experience like that. I wanted more drugs. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, um, so, and I, I knew it had something to do. That experience showed me um something around the heart um that there was this dimension of 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 myself that was so locked away that you know i prior to that i i think i'd felt like one of those characters from the wizard of oz who was on a quest to look for his heart mm-hmm. the only difference between me and that character was that i I didn't even know that there was a heart to look for. Right. So it uh so it was a really it was a really it was a really big eye opener in the same way of like just this drop of identity um having this all of a sudden this embodied experience um you know of of my body, my heart, my mind all all interconnected in this way. Um 
I sort of went on this, this journey in a way um, to become Superman in that sense. Like it, you know, like I kind of tied this whole integral thing and then this thing that informed this psychedelic thing and, um, and thought this is really like the next step of human evolution or, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I, yeah, so, so I tried, I went on my psychedelic journey basically. Yeah. Um, and, uh, as I do, um, I went really far into that journey. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I came right back in the search for Superman. I came right back to the beginning of the broken man. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, um, it was, it was sort of after doing um, a really strong uh, substance called um, 5-MeO-DMT. And uh, I, um, I had a really, really beautiful, beautiful and powerful experience with that. Um, that sort of just left me in this non-dual place for one week. I was just floating around, just thinking, you know, I've... I've I've done it or whatever, you know, and, and, um, and then a week after that, um, after having that experience, I went to do Wim Hof. I went to a seminar he was doing Mm. and I went into an ice bath and, um, went home relaxed and, just felt my body go into complete con- contraction. Um, my throat closed up. My heart just, was just on fire. Um, my body was started producing panic and anxiety, and um, and just a profound sense of sadness. It was just my heart was just pumping out all this sadness, and. And I, I didn't know what to do with that. This, it, it, this was like one of the most horrific things I had ever experienced. Um, and it was one of the things that, from a therapeutic point of view, it's like sort of in, um, coming into contact with the emotional body. I'd already had this non-dual body. I'd had this cognitive body. The language I've been kind of building up in therapy was, well, the thing in the middle is this emotional body. It connects mm-hmm. those two. And um, but having experienced this emotional body, my heart just came out and, and just screamed at me. And um, I didn't want anything to do with it. <laughs> too much. Too much. Yeah. yeah. I want anything to do with that. That was, oh, it, it, it really humbled me. It really, really humbled me. Mm. Um, yeah. And I would say that was really the beginning of my work with, with Gary in my psychotherapy. And that's when we could really begin doing work that wasn't just around sort of framing language. And- <clears throat> I see. <clears throat> it's, I've, the image I've got is like, um you know looking for oil or something you know and and finding these these little puddles of it 
you know, just, you know, you're in the right area, you know, yeah, so yeah. for me, it's like somewhere around here. And then you, you kind of hit some extremely high pressure well that just goes, and you yeah. haven't even got the equipment to contain it. Yeah. You know, it's like, go bring the, bring the lorries in and all the, just build this. We've got to, we've got to uh, do something to kind of contain, contain this. this yeah. Cause it's uh, it, too much. Well, yeah, yeah. you know, um, so five MEO DMT is not something I've tried personally. Um, yeah. You know, w one day, um, you know, it's on my uh, bucket list. Um, yeah. But <clears throat> I want to be ready. Uh, yeah. But you're never quite ready to do these things. But 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 actually ready enough to feel like I I, I want to do that because, um, you know, it, it, for those of you who might not know, um, you know, five MEO DMT is the active ingredient in um, uh, this uh, substance that comes from these toads yeah. in Central America called Buffo. Yeah. And um, it was only discovered in the 1980s or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, like 82 or 3, I think. And, so it's, it, and it's got no history. I mean, this is, this is an interesting point. You know, it, so it's, it's got no uh, traditional history of use that anyone's ever found, uh, yeah. you know, going back beyond 19, the 1980s. And it is, according to, you know, most people, the most potent psychedelic on the planet. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, you know, it's new, it's the most potent, and um, it's actually quite widely available. Um, <clears throat> and... So, you know, it, it and so I've talked to lots of people that have, have tried it and some people, they, they have the, you know, it's, it's, a, it's all a positive thing. And then there are other people which, you know, it's, it's, it is a very powerful thing, but bad things, it, it, it affects them so deeply that they're unprepared for it and it can derail their life for quite a long time. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I know that happened with you um, because, you know, we yeah, knew yeah. each other at the time when you were going through this, but um there was um robert augustus masters who's another person who's been associated with the the integral movement you know it, it derailed his life for many years and i think he did it way back in the the 1980s in the or 1990s, 1990s. Yeah. yeah um but what's interesting about it is that it's very exciting because it is the most powerful psychedelic on the planet mm -hmm. but it doesn't have this long tradition of use which has created the container the, the, the sort of set and the setting that, yeah, yeah. Gets a set that gets built around these different substances. So if you take ayahuasca, people have been doing that for um, certainly uh, many hundreds of years, um, possibly yeah. thousands. I mean, we don't really know. Um, or magic mushrooms, we know, we know for sure that goes back um, many thousands of years because of some of the ar uh, archaeology associated with it. So because those things have been around for such a long time, they've got this this kind of traditional purity of a container, you know, that around it. Um, and, but, you know, but so, so, but, you know, we're also talking about integrating these pure strains into some kind of hybrid now. And I mean, yeah. in, in, in psychedelics are kind of at a point like that, where all the world's psychedelics are now available to anyone, um, you know, depending what, I mean, if you live in Saudi Arabia, not a good idea. Um, 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'd want to go you'd want to go on holiday i think <laughs> um, oh, <man>. <laughs> somewhere else yeah but yeah, yeah so you know it's mixing the pure strains of these things with their own wisdom about how to do these things properly yeah, yeah. um but but the buffo uh or the 5meo uh, dmt doesn't really have this strong tradition around it and you know maybe there's something around that that because it's such a young thing it is like the wild west out there with this stuff. well that's the thing it's um it's not only does it not have a strong tradition um the experience um is really it's not really a psychedelic experience um it, not like so do yeah if you if you have um so dmt is something yeah, i've yeah. Uh, tried and ayahuasca and yeah, exactly. there's a very strong i mean just for people that might not know there's a very strong visual component to those things yeah, yeah. Um, well, well that's the thing with five with meo it's it, it, like the visual component is either non-existent or it's just a white light um right. or it's complete emptiness um these are the three sort of categories um that seem to be coming out of the experiences people are having and so on very few people are having psychedelic typical psychedelic experiences on them Mm. um so it's 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 really i mean it's a samadhi experience um it's an experience of of the godhead in a way um of of a of almost primordial source and um i i would kind of say in that sense there's you know like it doesn't feel like any psychedelic i've ever taken and most psychedelics i've taken they all kind of they have a um they have something in common with each other that could make me say that's the psychedelic mm-hmm. with, with bufo I kind of came away thinking, yeah, that's, that's something quite different. Um, and yeah, the, the whole thing with the container around it, like that's something that's sort of being addressed now. I mean, if I, if I was to go back and do that differently, I would do yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, let, let's just say, um, God, I'm, I'm just going to take my t-shirt off. I'm in the attic yeah. and it is swelteringly hot here. Yeah, I'm yeah. not, I'm not stripping off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I do have some clothes on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, you may not. Let's just say someone, <laughs> <laughs> someone might be listening to this, and they might think, "Okay, wow, right, most potent psychedelic on the planet." That's yeah. you know. So let's say some nineteen-year-old uh, is just like they just love to push the limits. They're like, "Okay, five yeah, yeah. uh This sounds great. I want to blow myself open." uh how say now if you were to go back and do it again yourself how would you do it again and you know how would you advise to someone uh you know who wants to try this to 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 do it safely basically yeah i mean we can't you know we're not you know this isn't a legal activity um Yeah, yeah so we're not we're not recommending someone do it but you can't there are people out there who want to do it so you know let's just say there are people that want to do it. How would they do it safely? Well, I'm 
first thing I'll probably say is how you do it more safely. More I, sa- yeah. Okay. There's yeah. no. Yeah. 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 Life is dangerous. You know. Yeah. There's no. Uh, we're not. We're not talking about nerfing. Nerfing up the world. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, especially with that, like, I mean, if, if you're doing that, you should expect to at least be in some sort of integrative process afterwards. And that's, you know, I'm using the word integrate, integrative process um, in a kind of way. Because um, <laughs> it, it can be tough for even the most developed of, of people. Um, but I... I think um, it's that period after and so on, and it seems to be what I I hear with a lot of people, that that period after for about two weeks is probably a period um, where things just have to be really taken care of and you know, you should be really walking on sacred territory. Yeah, so it's not go back to work on Monday morning. Yeah, nah, it's like you need two weeks off, I think. Yeah. What really kind of threw me um, was the fact that I hadn't taken seriously how how underdeveloped my emotional... um, uh, maturity or not even I wouldn't even just say maturity my emotional capacity was yeah um, I, I like that that structure hadn't been built inside you yeah you know a bit, a bit like if we think about that oil well analogy you know yeah. you, you, you want to build the refinery first before you tap that rich seam yeah yeah you know? um, I'm gonna say you know infrastructure it, we're not talking about like some special suit you wear. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the sort of emotional uh, structure. You know, well, well, that's in, the thing, yeah. yeah. The, the emotional structure, because the, the actual experience itself was easy. Mm. You know, like uh, just kind of, you know, blowing up into this complete non-dual state of everything um i was it was very easy to let go of that from all the psychedelics i had done before and um and all the kind of ice baths i was doing at that point you know my my nervous system was was okay for that experience the spiritual component of it yeah um but i had no idea what my heart was actually capable of doing in my own body from an emotional perspective and um so it, it's sort of hard to say because we can speak about hindsight and we can say, well, this is what I would do before. But, you know, at the time, I just had no clue until mm-hmm. it actually happened. Now, because I think anybody doing this isn't really going to, to have the full picture. Um, and, and if they do, then, you know, then they're not the people we need to speak to essentially. Yeah. Um, it's uh, the only advice I could really kind of say is, is, um, is prepare to have a really, really, really intense experience, but really make space for the integration afterwards. Yeah. Have support, have, have a therapist, have people that you can trust around you, make sure that there's nothing stressful you're doing I would even go so far to say, you know, don't engage in sexual activity. Um, 
you know, for at least a week or two after that. Um, anything where there's sort of a powerful, something powerful that can affect your nervous system mm -hmm. in a way. Um, you, you just want to keep all of that, um, the distance and, and really just, really just use that time to, to really integrate the experience and so on. Um, for me, kind of running off to a, a Wim Hof session a week after, was still in this mindset that I'm Superman, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I, I suppose, I suppose there's, um, there are forums, maybe Facebook pages um, that you can go on, you know, yeah. where people are talking about, about something like 5-MeO. I mean, you know, this applies to really any psychedelics. Um, well, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, 5-MeO is like right at the apex of it all. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, if you're, all, all psychedelics can be extremely powerful. And, you know, we've talked before about, you know, there, there's this buzzword with, with, uh, in the, in the psychedelics world of integrating integration, yeah, yeah. integrating the experience. And normally what's prescribed is, um, say like a, you, after the psychedelic experience, you have sort of a series of five therapy sessions or something with somebody who knows about psychedelics and they're yeah, a psychotherapist, yeah. but, you know what 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 you're suggesting here and you know we've talked about this before is that the integration needs to really be a bit broader so you're you're, you're not just doing talk therapy yeah, so, you yeah. know, i mean talk therapy is part of it but um yeah. you need to actually do some kind of uh study around this too to actually situate it within some kind of theoretical container through, oh, yeah, through, yeah. through, through, through um uh, you know understand what is going on like with yeah. your, with your mind what to expect what's going on and then connect with other people in a community who have been through this what worked for them what advice yeah. are they giving um you know uh, meditating uh, as well you know to just to be able to you know hold that kind of energy that happens and, and maybe let some of it go and move through you and then also yeah, yeah. some th some uh, physical practices like um, I mean ice baths a little bit hardcore but you know you lots of people might do something else which you might recommend you know I mean some well, cold yeah, showers yeah. or something a bit more easy but it's, well, it's yeah. the, the integration is 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 all of these things um, well it's it's that whole thing um, it, it's I uh, I think in that sense like prior to that and I can't say that this would have worked for 5MEO but I do know it works for psychedelics in general was was just um embodiment practices so not really physical practices oh yeah okay. like um you know what is the sense of your body as it's in movement as it's in being um so, so that that kind of ties in a little bit with the vipassana meditation practices you did that uh, a large part of that Vipassana thing is body scanning, where you, yeah, you go through that, your body and feel what different parts of your body. Yeah, what what are. parts of your body, um, you know, where you can feel parts of your body, where you can feel the heat, the warmth, uh, the emotions running through. I would say that um, the whole world of embodiment, that the, the practices around that are very broad. I mean, I found a really good one called um, Feldenkrais, 
mm-hmm. which is um, an Israeli practice. And it's, it, you know, the practice itself is really just awareness in movement. And uh, so, you know, they will integrate everything from how the eyes connect to the, the lower part of the hip and, um, you know, how the nervous system itself um, how to kind of feel the nervous system in relation to every single movement and sensation and feeling you're doing. And so they have a lot of postures. It's not really yoga. Um, it's a kind of a, a in between Vipassana and yoga in a sense. Um, so that would have been very helpful in regards to um, really somatically having experience to hold those emotions and, and so on as they came in my body. Um, but um, having said all of that, like um, the, the, the things that did work. So for instance, um, as I said, Gary helped a lot when that thing came on. Um, so he would come and we would have, we would sit down and do practices and so on, um, that were very integral. Like, um, they would be somatic, they would be psychotherapeutic. It would be like a workshop, but just for one person in a way. And, um, and that really, really, really helped in the whole integration of that. I mean, I'm still integrating that experience to be fair, but that allowed me to kind of at least process a lot of the emotional stuff that was happening. So, and this was years ago. That yeah, you, yeah. I mean, the, the, this uh, event happened. So when you say yeah, you're yeah. still integrating it, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> people should expect to be integrating that experience for a long time. You know, they, I, I feel they should. Like, I mean, when when something comes online, it, it doesn't go away. It's like you know when. When you feel um, when you feel the wound um, that is your core self, part of your core self, come up, um, you can't really ignore that anymore. No. Um, it, it's not going to ever go away, and so on. And um, so, in a way, you know, you'll be integrating that for the rest of your life. In that sense, I like to kind of use the word more exploring it in in, in a way, but. Um, it's a qualitative aspect of your human condition that you didn't see prior to the event. Yeah. Now it's online. Awareness has shone its light on it. Hmm. And, you know, whether it's good or bad, it's not going away and so on. Um, and I think that's what psychedelics really do at their core. Um, and why, when done properly, there's such an important aspect of of this sort of integral model in a way because they they get at they get at things that are really unconscious to us and they bring it into the body and so on bring it into awareness into our nervous system and um, and they do it in a way that I think embodiment practices or spiritual practices or even psychotherapeutic practices uh, would struggle to do on that. I, I think that's one of the the things is that, you know, the, this spectrum of different practices, they, they access and work on kind of different 
different things and um so meditation this is a generalization because you know some people might have these kind of experiences in meditation but meditation doesn't generally um give people these massive psychedelic experiences i think you know i've heard people who do kundalini yoga uh describe sort of dmt like uh experiences but i mean it's you know i i've don't do kundalini yoga so i can't speak you know for myself on that um and and it's like you know we we can end up thinking that a particular practice will do everything for us like you know people might take up a meditation practice and think well meditation is going to give me these completely being blowing um experiences of state experiences like psychedelics do you know um, uh or or someone might take up uh yoga and assume that um they're just gonna have all these meditative experiences through doing hatha yoga or something um and so you know the kind of best approach if you want to have this wide range of experiences is to take up a wide range of practices yeah 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 and and then and then go through the process of figuring out how they all relate yeah well let, let's talk let's talk let's talk about that um yeah. so i mean I, I do want to just flag uh i'd love to talk to you about the ice bath thing because that's yeah. you're doing a lot of that at the moment um so you know in your story you know we've got to a point where you're 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 doing meditation practices and um psychedelics and cold uh cold water therapy stuff um you know you're still doing your jiu-jitsu and uh your psychotherapy you know you've got a lot going on yeah, yeah. um how i mean the first thing to ask is how the hell do you fit because all of that into your life because i know you know you you're, you're uh, an entrepreneur um you know, self-employed, setting up businesses, yeah. and you know, you, uh, you're, you're not some trust fund kid. <laughs> so, you know, you you are you know earning money, living in London, paying rent, you know, setting up businesses. You know, you got stuff going on. Um, and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know how how do you how do you fit all of this stuff in? Um. Well. Um... It's an interesting question. Um, I, you generally always have time if you want to, if you want to make it, if you're a single man. Where there's a will, there's a way. Normally. Yeah, yeah. Where, where there's a will, there's a way um, in that sense. Uh, now, um, if I didn't, if I didn't have to work or if there was, I mean, you know, I would probably be doing a lot more, but, um, I sort of feel that the challenge isn't really the time. Um, cause you can fit things in like a nice bath. I mean, a morning practice is about an hour and a half and stuff. So if you kind of want to fit a morning practice in, you can, and then you can have an evening practice. Um, I might do some Feldenkrais in the evening and so on. Um, 
and then psychotherapy is like once a week and so on for a couple of hours and um for me it's the real the real effort is seeing is sort of bringing one thing into another thing so for instance um you know where i've where I've really been trying to work is, for instance, before a therapeutic session, um, I really want to be in an open space, a really open space inside of myself. Um, I, I kind of don't want to be really contracted and stuck in my body and so on in a place where I might not speak properly for two hours and be completely resistant. Um, and I really want to bring my heart into that space. Um, and, uh, and some of the difficulties with therapy is the vulnerability aspect that, you know, you're, you're kind of being asked to show truth in those sessions. And, um, for me, that can be difficult sometimes. Um, so one of the things, you know, like when you go and do an ice bath, um the first thing your body does is is it wants to contract and get the fuck out of it mm -hmm. you know it, it's like you know you, everything in your body is screaming what are you doing in here yeah. that's that's yeah. that's ancient biology coming on yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty much you <laughs> yeah. know it's like all the hormones the adrenaline the mm -hmm. cortisol is kicking in and so you know like training your your training yourself to kind of go in there and just sit and be present with the chaos that's going on in your body while that's happening until you kind of can get to a point where you just you can just be really present and then calm to that chaos you can almost witness it yeah so, so that's on. where the, like a meditation practice yeah, yeah helps with the ice bath then yeah well, well that's the thing a meditative practice will help with the ice bath hmm. um and uh, breathing will help. There's a few things that help with the ice bath and so on. Oxygenating your blood helps. Um, while oxygenating your blood, being in a meditative state helps and so on. And then when you get in an ice bath, you're almost prepared for the ice bath itself and so on. But then the practice of being in the ice brings those things together um, so that you can be really present. We just had a technological glitch where yeah. um, it, oh, the call dropped out, but we're back. For me, the work is is not necessarily the practices per se. Um, like I like I say, you if you there, there's enough time to fit those in. Basically, if you're motivated enough to do it, and right, um, it's it's the, the 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 challenge and and the time and the motivation and the uh and that sort of part where there's fruits for discovery is is literally the integration and i find that to be um that sucks the time that sort of um keeps me thinking about this process constantly and so on um you know like like for instance um if I was to do a psychotherapeutic session and so on, um, and uh, what practices specifically work well just before that? 
and what yeah. practices work well as an ongoing thing. Like an ice bath kind of before psychotherapy, I discovered works in theory quite well because you've just kind of gone in and you've, you know, you've got this, you're able to witness all this stuff happening in your body. Mm -hmm. So in theory, you would think, well, when a strong emotion arises in therapy and you want to be vulnerable, create enough vulnerability around that, you can keep that presence there in the same way. Um, so why not do an ice bath before therapy? Well, it practically, um, you know, I, that I found hasn't worked so well because I'm shivering my ass off for right, you know, yeah, yeah. a few hours. <laughs> so, <laughs> but at yeah. least you're experimenting and trying these things out because you never yeah. know. You know, you might find yeah. that winning combination. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, you know, I, I found um, more embodiment prize like Feldenkrais help a lot better um, during therapy. Even sometimes just half an hour of meditation can help. But then therapy is so dynamic as well. You know, sometimes I might want to bring more of my heart center. Sometimes I might want to bring more of a cognitive space. I might want to understand something a bit more. Hmm. Um, so th the integration is is in the same territory in that sense as this mixed martial arts thing. It's, you know, you look at the evolution of that particular system of engagement and it's far from done. People are still evolving. You know, the game is has not come to an end yet and the internet connection dropped out here but donald was just saying that in his opinion spiritual practice is now at the same place that mixed martial arts was in the 1990s the the only game in town seems to be sort of integral practice um or metamodernism or it's and that's a very niche sort of thing. It's it's not really yet a widespread thing. It, mm. It's sort of just like freaks like us who are. Sort of, you <laughs> well, know. it's yeah, it's all quite new. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Unf unfortunately, the uh, the Wi-Fi connection's not very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, so I th I feel like we should. I mean, we've been going for like two hours too. We should yeah, yeah. we should we should kind of wrap this up. Um, yeah. And I mean, I would love to talk to you uh, another time, um, explore yeah, yeah. some other areas because um, uh, you know you're a fascinating guy, and and uh, you you do you you're you've got an experimental approach to your own life and your life in community with others. I mean, the stuff we didn't yeah. touch on is, you know, we've done retreats together. Um, you know, where we did this sort of integral life practice together and, you know, you're actively engaged with different communities around the world, you know, through the internet and then in person in London. Uh, do you have any work you want to share with the world? Um, or is there anything you want to point people to? Um, well, um, yeah, the, I mean, as you know, we, we were, we were trying to operate a business uh, in London called Float Effect. Um, we have a partial website up. Um, oh, we we didn't. This is another area we didn't touch in touch on. Yeah, but yeah. flotation tanks, yeah, uh, flotation. sensory deprivation, floating. Yeah, yeah. Another amazing practice. We'll have to talk that yeah. about that another time. But this another is the, the business you're setting up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So due to the whole Corona thing, that. Um, that's going to be delayed and stuff. But I, there's a website 
that's coming up uh, called floateffect.co.uk. Um, and um, the whole emphasis on that, uh, this is something for another conversation, is mm. uh, it's the use of, of um, altered states, getting into altered states and using music as, as almost a shamanic guide but not necessarily shamanic music, just music, everything from classical music all the way up to jazz and rock and, you know, in these really beautiful playlists and so on. And using music to guide you in while you're in deep, altered or psychedelic states and so on. Um, that's part of what the business is about. And, uh, but that's a whole other conversation and a whole other area that I think is completely brand new. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, and I mean, you thinking of the sort of body, heart, mind, spirit thing, uh, you know, floating, you know, I mean, all of these practices kind of spread across these, these domains of ourselves, but yeah, floating yeah. really does all of, all of those all in one. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just an amazing thing. Yeah, it's an amazing practice and there's a lot of scope for, you know, trying new things out and, and, um, yeah, but, um, yeah, we will be, we're working on that business currently. Um, as I say, there's something up at the moment, not complete, but floodeffect.co.uk. Well, it's always great to, uh, connect with you, Donald, you know, you're someone yeah, yeah. I love dearly and I value your friendship um so much and you know we're both people that have been doing th these kind of practices for a long time and uh, okay, we've yeah. kind of connected around it and um there's nothing like having buddies along the journey you know it yeah, is yeah. key you do not want to do this stuff on your own you no know? way yeah, yeah. <laughs> no it's way. so so key to, to yeah, yeah. With other people and, and have some, develop some strong friendships you know yeah people you you know they, they keep you keep you on track um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. lots of and love, it, and uh, I, you know, we'll do another conversation another time. Oh, that would be great! And, and thank you for inviting sure. me on this one. Pleasure. It's an honor yeah. to be uh, the first guy here speaking. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, another one whenever that happens, and so on. Yeah. Cool. cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing, yeah. uh, you know, your, your personal journey with, with this yeah, kind yeah. of practice. And yeah. uh, it's been really interesting. Lots of stuff I haven't heard you say before. So um, it's really yeah. cool. All right. Well, a deep okay. bow and uh, lots of love. And I yeah. I'll see you soon. See you soon. <laughs> Thanks, Donald. Bye. Bye. Bye.